Hey, everybody, Steve here. I just wanted to start this episode off real quick by telling you we recorded this originally on March 2nd, right before all this virus stuff started. And it's really, really eerie how relevant this entire conversation is. So hope you enjoy and uh, thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody, Steve here with Local Level Podcast. I'm sitting here today with Monique Hoffman, health and life insurance uh, expert and also serial entrepreneur. Yes. Hi. Yeah. It's a pleasure to have you on. I definitely appreciate the time. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. Um, so tell us a little bit about serial entrepreneur. What is that? It's, you know, what entrepreneur- are the details. <laughs> I know what that means, but what <laughs> well, are the details? Uh, let's get into that a little bit. So we all know that, you know, being an entrepreneur is all the rage. Yeah. Right. Online, on social media, uh, being a serial entrepreneur is even even worse because you, you know, you dabble in so many different things. And, mm-hmm. and nowadays, you know, who doesn't? Yeah. Um, for me, I've I've always done several different things at the same time. Um, and now I've sort of like come full circle. I still have, you know, various ventures, but my focus is really the health and life insurance. Right. At the moment. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of things that uh, have led up to where you currently are in life. Um, and some of them are in relation to health and life insurance themselves. So can you explain, I guess, what brought you to that? It's not, people don't think of uh, health and life insurance as a big sexy thing, uh, you know, <laughs> really interesting, super uh, uh, hard hitting topic. But um, why did you decide to get into that? Well, my mother, um, she sold life insurance uh, mm-hmm. and real estate growing up. So she was an entrepreneur. My father owned a flower shop. He was an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. I was pretty much doomed from the beginning. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've tried to work at different places, you know, growing up. I, my first job was in telemarketing. Mm-hmm. I sold long distance service. I mean, greatest first job ever. Smiling and dialing. Oh my, is that a thing? Yeah. That's a thing. Absolutely it is. That's amazing. I wish I could have used that a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, sales, sales from the very beginning. And I think that that was the best foundation I could have ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I, I went into banking because my mom was sort of in that space. And I just, you know, I always joked that I was born with a briefcase in my hand. And I would say that at every job interview and I would get that job. Right. Just I was born with a briefcase in my hand. And, um, you know, when the mortgage industry and the real estate industry tanked Mm -hmm. because of the um, well, all of that nonsense, uh, I had to obviously get out of that space for a while. Yeah. Especially when the feds raided our office. Hmm. Um, which is another story for another time. But, you know, I I had to explore different different areas and I, I became a chef. I went to Le Cordon Bleu. I became a nutritionist um, and I was always interested about health and how to help people. Mm-hmm. And when I had health issues myself, I got to the point where I needed a solution. You know, I'm, I'm great at preventative and then, you know, um, healing through food. But what else? Like, what if there's something bigger right. for people? And so I found plans that actually helped people or gave people the power back over their care and treatment. And that is, you know, when I tried to make health and life insurance sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, uh, you got to put some work into it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so you say that you had, you had illness and you had experience from the other end, you know, being the, 
beneficiary of a policy or the lack of. Yeah. Um, so can you explain a little bit how that impacted uh, your life? Absolutely. So my mother was tragically murdered when I was nine. And, you know, before that, I was helping her in her life insurance business. So I got to see that side of it. And then when she passed away, I was a beneficiary, you know, to her life insurance policy. So I firsthandly got to experience the value and and how powerful it, you know, it can be to have that that benefit yeah. should you lose your parent. Yeah. Um, and honestly, the we don't realize these things, but these tragic things that happen in our lives weigh on us and we all grieve differently. We all deal with stress differently. And I think over the years, my body just I was always smiling and I was always functional, but I was and while I dealt with the grief and the pain, yeah. I was internalizing it. So then I got a whole bunch of health issues and, mm. you know, the healthcare system didn't exactly help me. Um, because it was pro treatment. So I, I had, I was getting treatment for things that I didn't even have, like, I didn't even have a diagnosis as opposed to just mental like counseling. Oh, I did all that. I did all that, but it was manifesting itself in, in the form of, you know, pain in my back and pain in my legs. And, you know, you go to a doctor and they're like a machine. Yeah. You say, my leg hurts. Okay, well, we're going to do a workup, this, that, and the other. Right. What is your right. life like? And they don't ask you about what big thing has happened in your life. Um, the way that they do it is they they do all the treatment, or I'm sorry, they do all the testing. And if nothing comes from the test, then it must be fibromyalgia. I mean, they hmm. every specialty has a diagnosis for like miscellaneous. Right. If we can't diagnose you with something, it's probably just this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so has that changed? Is it still the same? Is that is that what people are dealing with right now? I mean, you're on the inside. So what are some of this? What's what's the feedback that you're getting from people uh, on the ground? It absolutely is the same, if not worse, you know, and um, all these treatments and testing and medical bills came from uh, the early years of Obamacare, of using the marketplace. You know, I was a, a huge advocate for it because I've had pre-existing conditions from, the, you know, when I was little. I've had allergies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just the doctors seem to get more payment with, you know, each and every visit. So if they put you on a treatment plan and give you new medications and have to see you every 30 days, I mean, they get paid. Yeah. Um, so you you start to question do I really have something? Um, and, and now doctors have to see so many more patients because they're not getting paid what they're worth anymore. And the insurance companies are breaking them down and they're, you know, in the yeah. fees. So I think it's worse. Mm. It's unfortunate. I think you're right. Um, I think that there's no, there's no real answer because everybody kind of has a different approach to what they think the problem is. So uh, nobody's actually solving anything. People are just kind of fighting for what's part of what's left of Obamacare and what's, you know, what what we should do. Should we, you know, do universal health care? Should we, you know, how are we going to do that? And um, so I guess what are some of the biggest uh, what are some of the biggest real problems that we have right now in the industry, would you say, besides the treatment and doctor you know, thing, but the actual, the way insurance is structured, the way the healthcare system is structured, what are some of the biggest things that you see as uh, problems? 
Well, I think it starts with the person who's looking to be insured um, from expectations to personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I got into this business through, you know, when I was searching for a solution for myself, I said, Obamacare isn't doing it for me anymore because I can't even trust that the treatment I'm I'm being recommended is is really what I need. Right. So, um, you know, first and foremost, a lot of people are and even young people, I don't even know where they get this, but they think, OK, if I pay one hundred and twenty dollars a month because I'm young for my health insurance premium, it should cover a hundred percent of everything, <laughs> Yeah, right. which I don't even know what. I mean, even your gym membership has little miscellaneous things that you have to pay for. Right. So why would your health insurance cover it? So I think we have these these expectations or misconceptions about what health insurance is supposed to do. And people don't realize that, you know, if we go into Obamacare, we go into Medicare for all or anything that the government can um, cover everything. Right. You lose your chance at a say as to maybe devices or materials or different types of medications or treatments that they're going to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever, ha- have you ever had a filling in your life, a yeah. dental filling? Sure. So it's 2020 and nobody uses metal fillings anymore. But the dental insurance companies, when they say they cover up to 80% of fillings, more often than not, it's still metal fillings. Mm. So you you pay into this this plan and it's great for preventative. But, you know, when you start having to have work done, people are like, well, I don't want I don't want metal fillings. I want the other stuff. It's kind of like that. So if if we're going into a space where we want someone to cover any everything for us, why would we have control over what is covered? Yeah, it's uh, I think that people are kind of naive about thinking that there's going to be a across the board solution and that that's a good thing. Um, any, any time that there's ever been a across the board solution, it's always a shitty solution. But we all want to be individuals and unique, you know, we, we never want to be put in a box, but all of a sudden we don't want to pay for healthcare or health insurance. So all of a sudden we want to be in a box. Well, people would rather have a tailored suit than a one size fits all, you know? So, (laughs) wow. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh. That's usually how, how, how things work. And uh, it's it's um, uh, it's concerning that people don't really think about these things. But I think that it comes down to education because people don't have experience operating uh, in, you know, with healthcare, especially the young people. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to deal with it. It's not an issue in their life. Not yet. Not yet. Right. And uh, unfortunately, the decisions that you're making when you're in your 20s are totally wrong for when you're in your 60s or your 50s or later on. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and so that's a, a rough thing. So getting into your, your business and we'll, we'll, we'll get on some more just topics, but who are your customers? Are you dealing with younger people are, are, cause what I find is young people just don't even have insurance cause they think it's too expensive or they don't need it. Well, let's, let's go back to personal responsibility real quick. And then mm-hmm. we can answer that is, and, and personal responsibility is as simple as, you know, how do we take care of ourselves? Right. And, and like you were saying, in your 20s, you make decisions which not are, aren't always bright yeah. um, and don't have an effect or a side effect until, you know, further down the line. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you don't want to pay for it now or later, um, you have to make you have to care and you have to be responsible for what you're putting in your body mm-hmm. to how much activity are you, you know, are you 
taking part in um, every every week. And you just have to do better about caring for yourself. Um, and then really insurance is there for when big things happen. Mm -hmm. But what's troubling me is that, you know, I my my target market is I always say anyone who's like living and breathing. Um, mm, yeah, because, again, you know, we have group plans, you know, through your employer, we have um, plans through the marketplace, through Obamacare. But we're still running into what kind of say do we have? So I'm, I'm really insuring everybody. However, these young people that I always loved insuring in the past, I'm seeing more and more um, seeing psychiatrists, mm. um, taking Adderall and Xanax, antidepressants, anti-anxiety, um, and they're smoking tobacco and marijuana, and they have become uninsurable in their 20s. Wow. So I, I, I can really hardly insure anybody, no matter what age, when they have a situation like that. We're not even talking bad health problems. You know, we're not even yeah. talking emphysema or, um, you know, hip replacement. We're talking about how our young people are becoming desensitized because they can't handle any amount of stress. So now they're yeah. taking all these medications and, you know, the insurance companies are supposed to cover all that. Well, that's, first of all, it's an on-ramp to bigger health problems down the road. Mm -hmm. So it's like a snowball effect. That's uh, it's a good point, though, that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's mental health problems, definitely, is the root of the majority of these things, I think. So that that's interesting. You say that uh, the majority of the, the young people are, are pretty much filing claims for that, just filling prescriptions and going to psychologists and counseling and things like that? Well, or? because most primary care physicians, you know, I mean, Adderall has become abused, yeah. like our opioids. Well, it's meth. It's the same thing. It's exactly. The same so exact it's a controlled thing. substance. Right. So at some point, the reason why we have pain management doctors and whatnot and psychiatrists that dish this stuff out mm -hmm. is because primary care physicians, they can't do a particular dose. You know, maybe they can start it, see if it's working and mm -hmm. then refer out, but they can't maintain. That is not their position. So you need a specialist. Now you're paying specialist fees. Now mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're you're having to find the right one because and and what people don't realize is, you know, kids, crazy kids these days, they all want to take Adderall to focus. They think it helps with focus. Yeah. And that's great. But what they don't realize is you might have to take another drug too. to go to sleep, to go to sleep or yeah. to calm your blood pressure or, you know, there's always something else mm -hmm. that comes along with it. And um what what are you what are you going to do? I mean, this is in your twenties. So, at what dose are you going to have? I mean, if this is a long term thing, I mean, there's no dose for you forty years down the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're getting you're getting people just addicted to things um, at a higher level. Uh, just getting them started early, right? Get them in the system. If 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 you make it a big enough problem, then you'll probably get more power. Well, yeah. I mean, I've had whole families like. A uh, 32 year old mother and four children under, you know, young, I mean, obviously they're younger, they're four children, and they're all on antidepressants yeah. and Adderall and anxiety. And I'm like, you know, and, and I'll tell you what I did with them. I actually asked them, what's your diet like? Mm -hmm. 
People don't ask that too often, do they? Well, I can tell you that no insurance broker does. And, you know, I mean, this is just health insurance. I mean, when you when you're digging into life insurance and you have people that have all these these medications, I mean, they're almost uninsurable or Mm -hmm. or it's going to be so expensive at that point. But I literally will ask people, do you eat vegetables? What is, you know, what kind of supplements are you taking? Um, as a chef and nutritionist, you know, I've always believed in healing through food. I worked in a hospital healing people with with heart disease and high blood pressure and diabetes through food. Yeah. And I was able to help uh, a few families come off of these medications and feel better without the fogginess purely through supplementation and diet. Mm. And that's what I'm talking about, personal responsibility. But is there money in that? For these companies, what, there has to be some contributing factor uh, as to why these smart people that are running the show are pushing people into uh, addiction. Look, I mean, I can't save the world. Right. While I wish I could, uh, all I can do is, you know, I, is tell people that I'm not just your, you know, insurance salesman. That's not why I'm here. I'm here because I was angry yeah. and I was wronged and I was um, frustrated and I no one was advocating for me when I had all these health issues and I healed myself. I mean, they had me on on opioids for six years and they told me, look, like you're working out too much because hmm. I was just trying to like build up my muscles to combat the pain because I was trying to I kept asking, like, take me off of this, find the root cause of my issues. And they were like, there's nothing wrong with you. We just got to keep you on this. So can you explain what the issues were? What were your symptoms? What, what were you going through? So um, way back when I was trying to have children and I found out that I couldn't. Um, they, you know, I went through a, a round of very crazy fertility medications, which resulted in, in very painful pelvic pain. Mm. Um, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I didn't have, you know, a typical diagnosis for pelvic pain would be like endometriosis, which would be, uh, the solution to surgery. Mm. Um, you know, my, I went to a surgeon and, and people, they, they get me with this because they said, I went to a surgeon and they want to do surgery. Mm. Okay. Well. That's, that's what they do. It's like going to a restaurant and being like, why are you serving me food? Yeah. You know, that's right, right. surgeons cut. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to an OBGYN who was also a surgeon and she first visit was like, you should take out your uterus. <laughs> I'm 24 years old. And for those of you that don't know what a uterus is, it's what, you know, holds the baby if you get pregnant. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, that seems a little extreme. Like, how about we do an exploratory surgery first? maybe see if there's endometriosis, maybe see if there's something. And she says, well, okay, we'll do it. But if there's nothing, I'm taking your uterus out. Jeez, that's pretty rough. That's, <laughs> that's an extreme. That's an extreme. But, you know, there, what, what, who do I, I tried to go to a second opinion. No doctor wants to talk badly about another doctor. So I literally paid for a second opinion. And that doctor said, well, what do you think? Like, I'm here to know what you think. (laughs) Are you kidding? So it was just no one like myself was there saying, don't do this. There's Mm got to be another way. And when the surgery happened and it didn't work, pain pills. Oh, man. They got you hooked up. And honestly, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't addicted. Okay. Um, I, I came off of it several times and they kept putting me back on. Hmm. until I was just, I was done. And when the doctor said, you know, we really want to increase your dose. 
because you're metabolizing so quickly. Uh, and I have this crazy fast metabolism. And they said, well, in order for us to do that, you have to file for disability. And I said, look, I, I have too much to give, you yeah. know, society. I'm not doing that. And I don't need it. So I was done. And they're like, well, you know, you should consider staying on. I'm like, no, I'm done. And I, I came off of it and I've been off of it ever since. Well, that's that's a good thing. I, I struggle with opiate stuff uh, in a past life as well. And it's not easy, and it uh, it's uh, life shattering stuff. It is. So you know, it's always it's always good to hear somebody that actually got away from that because too many people don't. You know, I have plenty of friends that aren't with us anymore because of that stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it's not it's not just me. Everybody has a story like that. But it's I'm sorry. I, I hate to sound like a broken record with this, but it has to do with our diet and our food system and our healthcare system and mm -hmm. everything. And people ask me, you know, there's two things. They say, well, what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. You know, I can't just eat, you know, bowls of spinach and, you know, <laughs> right. I can't, you know, this system's broken. So uh, I just go with it. Well, I mean, you just have to do what you can. You can't just like go with the, with the wave all the time. And like, I, I fought against it and maybe I'm, you know, my parents always told me I was stubborn and, yeah. and that kept me from falling into the trap. Um, once I was smart enough, I'm like, okay, you took my uterus out. You got me on all these drugs. <laughs> um, like some of these drugs they gave me for, uh, because I didn't have a diagnosis, I would wake up with a heart rate of 115. I mean, that's pretty Jeez. much like jogging. Wow. You know, so it, it, it's, but our diets aren't, my diet was not good previously. And I think, and I know that the way that I was able to get through all this was being stubborn, mm -hmm. pushing forward and, you know, through eating proper, you know, proper food. Some people say that um, they get health benefits from specific diets. Like, for instance, Joe Rogan, uh, he says that he, he feels great doing the carnivore diet where he only eats meat. Uh, which, hey, everybody has their, that's crazy, or this is the right way, you're wrong. Is it different for everybody? Is there, I mean, we talked about it before that there's no one size fit all solution, but what are some things that are proven to be a good way to, a good place to start diet wise? Well, let's go back to being put in a box. Mm -hmm. um, this is a place where everyone either wants to be a part of something or they want somebody else to give them a structure because researching what works best for you, for me, for the next person is a lot of work. Right. Um, so when all these crazy diets come out, paleo, um, carnivore, uh, keto, yeah. people gravitate towards that because they're like, maybe this is the solution. Well, I hate to say it, but my background in, in marketing, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, when you know, I mean, you know about marketing when, when, when you get suckered into something and you're like, crap, that, that's good marketing. Yeah. And you know it, you know that they sucked you in. You're impressed. Yeah. And, and so I look from far away and I'm like, look at these diets. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's everything else. It's like the books, the workout bands, the water bottles, the shakes, yeah. like it's, it's, it's marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, when in reality it, it doesn't work because people want that one, that's just they want to eat something or take something and they want it to just 
take away their fat or take right. away their illness. Yeah. And that personal responsibility is gone for balanced diet, exercise, activity, you know, none of those things are going to work if everything else is garbage. Yeah. One thing that I wrote down while you were saying that was take the time, not the pill. And what I was thinking about that with that is, you know, like, like you said, it, it does take time to figure out what works for you. Do the research, figure out um, the, the pros and cons of something. I think that, you know, the healthcare system, they just want to turn you know, turn people through the door, get people through here. I'll give you a pill. It'll make you feel better. Now I'll see you next month. You know, um, as opposed to just taking the time, maybe doing a little bit more in depth research on the specifics of the actual patient. Is there anybody that actually does that instead of, you know, with your, with your normal healthcare that you can get your blue cross blue shield or your Cigna or whatever the hell you have, um, can you go and get it covered completely to have somebody give you a plan uh, to, you know, change your diet? You know, I or, think you answered your own question. Covered completely. Do you get a say? I mean, OK, so, so I, tell me about that. What do you think? I think the problem is I'll give you an example. So I graduated from Arizona State University. Mm hmm. All at some point, Arizona State said, OK, we're going to take all of our pre-med students and we're going to force them into the first nine months of an MBA, because mm -hmm. what do doctors typically do? I mean, they might work for a system for a while and then they'll go open up their own practice. But how many doctors have business experience? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. none. Yeah. Because they're there for the science. Right. Yeah, yeah. So ASU was so smart to say, we're going to give them this education, force them into it so that they're set up for success when they create their own practice. When we specialize in things, we specialize in that one or two things. But, yeah. um, you know, when people hear me speak about this, they're like, oh, you just want to put all this responsibility on me. Um, and that the insurance companies aren't responsible. The healthcare professionals are not responsible. You work for the insurance companies. And, mm -hmm. and I, I get what it sounds like, what it looks like. I don't work for them. I work for myself. I work for my clients. Yeah. And I just happen to be the, the messenger or the conduit to giving, you know, the, the matchmaker, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but my background in behavioral science and psychology. I'm not a psychologist, but I, I did take a lot of studies in in behavioral science and the the way that we eat, the way that we live, the choices that we make. They all have, um, they all stem back to how these things make us feel. So mm -hmm. if if we don't get to talk about our feelings, which a lot of young people or people in general don't know how to express their feelings. How could anyone, a doctor, a nutritionist, or anybody really help you if you don't know how to express what it is that you're feeling? Like, I eat ice cream every single night because it makes me happy. I mean, like, who would actually admit that? Yeah, right. right. So we have this issue, and it, and it all stems back to mental health, which I'm a huge advocate for, like therapists and counselors, um, because we will discover that, you know, our diets, um, our choices, everything stems back to how all of these activities and decisions make us feel. So mm -hmm. the healthcare system is broken. This is not rocket science, but um, people in general can't even express themselves enough to get the proper help that they need. Mm. 
Yeah, this is a, a, a subject that, that keeps coming up with uh, people that you don't know what you don't know. Um, with the education for people uh, figuring out what the, what the right diet is going to be, you know, you hear, okay, you hear from early age, the food pyramid, you hear, you know, all these different things. When I was in school, it was, yeah, the food pyramid, the that food doesn't circle, exist anymore, by the way, whatever, We're old. I, it probably shouldn't have, <laughs> but it, 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 it isn't, uh, I mean, it's been disproven, right? Mm -hmm. So all these people learned the wrong way to, to eat and, you know, learned that things that are not healthy are healthy. And that has, it's, it's cycle, it's gone, gone down to the children and the next generation. So, so how, how do you get, how do you get out of that? How do you, how do you learn? How do you know what you don't know? How do you know that there is no food pyramid anymore? I don't go to elementary school anymore you know i read about things but i read about a lot of things i don't know if it's real or if it's not so how do you how do you determine what is the truth and what isn't it i mean it's it's tough but it's twofold um we need to switch our mindset into okay i want to read something i want to trust it and i want to just go with it like i want to trust it wholeheartedly yeah. like I mean, this keto diet sounds amazing, right? And I'm not gonna look at anything else. Like, I, this is gonna be the truth. That we put so much energy and emphasis and expectation on things that we read, like the yeah. first thing that we read, and then our our disappointment is so great because mm -hmm. we were not curious enough to just try it out. Well, everybody wants to join a cult, <laughs> you know. They don't they don't realize it, but that's pretty much the same thing. I mean. The, the cult of, of dieting and the cult of exercise and all these things. It's the answer. They want the answer. Right. Right. Everybody, you know, anybody that's telling you they have the answer is you should run. Oh, and I, and I promise, like I never have the answer, but yeah. I have suggestions and things to consider. And sure. I have literally made it my life's mission to educate. Yeah. Because I know so much. I don't expect my clients or anybody, and I tell them up front, I don't expect you to know what I know. Mm -hmm. I don't expect you to learn everything that I know. I just want you to, you know, we, we work together to find the right, you know, health or life insurance solution for you. But I give my clients probably five different times my contact card, my digital contact card, and they save it to their phone. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, if something happens or they have an injury or an illness, I said, contact your spouse and then call or text me. Like, I want to be the next person that knows hmm. and I want to help you. If something happens to them, like mm -hmm. they get in an accident or something or. No, I mean, even if you go to the doctor, like you're feeling sick. And okay. um, I had a client who has kind of like me, she had leg pain that nobody could figure out what it was. So she went to a varicose vein clinic. Can, I'm sure you could figure out what happened next. Right. They wanted, she had leg pain. She went to a varicose vein clinic. They wanted to take out her varicose veins. Right. They said, well, this is more cosmetic, so your insurance won't cover it naturally, mm -hmm. um, but we'll give it to you for cash for $8,000. She called me crying. Yeah. And I was like, don't do it. It's purely cosmetic. You went to a varicose vein clinic, you know, that's not going to help your leg pain. It's going to make mm -hmm. them look better, but that's that's not what you're there for. She would have done it because she was coming from a place of pain and desperation, just like I was with my uterus. I'm like, just take it out. Just yeah. let's figure it out. Yeah. And and that's what I'm saying is so when she, you know somebody goes to the doctor for 
paper cut, not really, but you know, something. And they come out with a diagnosis or a surgery or, you know, a procedure. I said, just, just call me. Where do we point the finger? Because I know that I know doctors personally that are really great people and they take an oath and they really believe what they're saying. They trust in their diagnosis and they, they wouldn't make it otherwise, you know? Um, but we hear these stories all the time, misdiagnosed uh, things. People are trying to push certain, you know, uh, treatments. And, and uh, I think it's unintentional, but or unintentional. But how do you uh, how, where do you point? How, how do you how do you fix that problem when you know that it's so deeply embedded in the, the culture of medicine? Um, when you walk in, you know, OK, well, I'm going to give you a prescription. I might cut you up a little bit, you know. There's other options, right? But what, how do you, how do we fix that? Well, as someone who goes against the grain quite often, uh, I want to ask you why we need to point the finger at some one person or one entity. Exactly. I I don't think we need to point, I don't think it's possible because I don't think that it's one person or even one It's everybody, including ourselves. Right. So, so that's what I'm saying. But we want to point the finger. We need somebody to blame because things aren't good. You know, have you heard of projection? Sure. Sure. I mean, I don't know who hasn't gone to therapy and hasn't heard of projection. Yeah. Right. Sure. You you hear. OK, well, and I'm going to project things onto you like it's your fault mm-hmm. that I'm going through this because really I don't want to face myself. Mm-hmm. That's projection. And that's one of those things. It's like I want to blame a doctor or an insurance company or someone like I can't tell you how many times, you know, someone has pain. They go to the doctor. The doctor mm-hmm. says, okay, I want to give you these drugs. I want to do this procedure, this surgery. I want you to follow up every 30 days, which means this copay or this premium or whatever. Clients call me. Well, what the heck did you sell me? Yeah. Why isn't the insurance covering this? I said, well, because the doctor just basically made like a custom a la carte, you know, treatment plan for you that you actually isn't even probably medically necessary. But why are you going to blame the insurance company, doctor's offices? I mean, I don't I'm not saying blame the doctor, these people that took an oath, but the doctors also have staff and a lot of people. I used to also be a medical transcriptionist okay. and I had to learn a lot of medical terminology. I learned a lot about what doctors are. You know, here's the problem. Here's the test. Here's you know, here's the diagnosis. Here's the test and treatment. So I, I, I got a lot of that in my experience. Um, I also learned about coding. So medical coders, a lot of doctor's offices uh, hire out, contract out for for their coding Mm -hmm. and medical billing. Well, those people are literally there to design EOBs or explanation of benefits that um, generate the most money. Right. It's a business at the end of the day. And I think that you you brought up a good point that doctors aren't trained in that. They're they're trained in medicine and uh, the business portion of that is 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 ran by who you know i mean there's a there's an industry standard of how these offices operate but where who you know i guess you follow the money so where does the money come from where does it go is it go is it pharmaceuticals everybody wants to say that but pharmaceuticals are lifesaver people need medicine and it's important to have those companies in place to do research and all those things so you can't just point the finger, like you said, at one particular thing, but it's it's a, a collective issue. So so how 
how do we uh, make sense of that? And who who is uh, who's who's setting the the rules here? So, I mean, it's kind of a loaded question. It is. It, it totally <laughs> is. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just curious, really. So I, I mean, I I like I said, I've devoted my life to immersing myself in all this content and, and knowledge and experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great book called uh, by. Um, I know her first name is Elizabeth, but it's called An American Sickness. And uh, it's it's a brilliant book. Mm-hmm. It is uh, exposing all the truths of the system. But with my experience, my my educated response to your question is we our system, our society, our lifestyle, everything is changing so fast. Yeah. And you know, not to get super political, but we have one side that's very like loves change and like, let's let's do all these things. And one side's like, we're just trying to conserve what we've always known things to be. And the problem is, is that a lot of these laws and regulations haven't ad- um, been adapted to our right. the number of people we have, to the uh, amount of things we have going on, to these new illnesses that we have. And so our, our system is set to something that, you know, to a, a certain level or threshold where none of these things existed. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it goes back to politics and policy and law. Um, and that's that's kind of where it starts. Is there a way to separate politics from healthcare? In what way? I think that nowadays you can't talk about healthcare without bringing up politics and whatever lean you have, you know? I think part of it is like this uh, TMZ disorder, yeah. you know, this reality. I mean, I, I let's go back to behavior and, and psychology. You know, we're, we're programmed to love drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To love. It is a reality show. I mean, all of politics pretty much is. But you can't, you you truly can separate it. Um, to me, politics isn't policy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you have policy and you have politics. I mean, they're, they're two parts of the same thing. They're, they're related. Right. But, you know, um, they're not interchangeable. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a means to an end the politics and the policy. But we have to take, I mean, if if there's any theme to this podcast, it's like, what is this domino effect? Yeah. You know, what it, what choice do I make today that's gonna um, challenge me in the future? What, and, and, you know, challenge my business or what what law today is gonna affect me in the future? I mean, it's, it's hard to tell, but I think it stems from us not being curious enough and always looking for that one answer there's not going to be an answer like we if there's anything that my life experience has taught me is to embrace change to 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 be flexible to go with the flow as as um serious as i can be uh you know people say you're all you're too serious like you need to have fun you know and um, I've just been through a lot in my life and I want to share that with the world. And like yeah. I said, I don't expect you to know what I know, but I just want to be your, your, you know, third or fourth favorite contact in your phone that you can ask a question to, because I just want to help. Yeah. And the thing, and, and that's, that is my mission. I mean, out of being a chef and a nutritionist and a serial entrepreneur and everything else that I've done, it's, it's, it's great. It's provided me with great experience. I've come full circle, but, um, 
you know, insurance is a big part of my life. I think it's it's a way for me to connect with people and and provide them with like a tangible solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it it gives them access to me. Mm-hmm. And you, okay, so that's a good way to transition, um, because. We're not going to solve the healthcare issue in this podcast, <laughs> uh, but it is something that people are very concerned about, and uh, it's something that people need to think more about. So, if that's the takeaway from this, then that's great. Um, as far as dealing with people goes, mm-hmm. you know, you you like like I introduced you, health and life insurance, but also uh, many other things. You wear many hats, and you're working on uh, several other things as well. Um, that relate to the fact that you like to help people and you want to be accessible to people to kind of point them in the right direction based on the experiences that you have. So can you uh, lay out a couple of those things that you have going on? Poker's in the fire. Look, we all have, and, and, and some of us haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. You know, what, what we were, what's our end game or what is, what were we put on this earth to do? Some of us are okay with, not having that answer for me, you know, losing both of my parents at nine, um, being an only child and, you know, growing up very, very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I, I'm grateful for all the lessons that I've learned, um, because I feel like I have a greater sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, I, want nothing more than to help people and solve problems. Uh, I'm, I don't come from a place of, I know it all. Um, like I said, I encourage people to be curious and to not just look for that one answer. Yeah. Um, and with that, I look at, okay, here's my life. I'm 32 years old. I have gone through all these things. I have this personality that in a way is untouchable, like because I've done all the work, I've been through the therapy, I've, you know, I know exactly who I am and what I have to offer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we look at all those qualities. What in the world? What I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm self-employed. You know, I can't giving myself raises doesn't do anything. I can't give myself a promotion that doesn't exist. So what can I do with my life? Yeah. Politics. Okay. I, I truly feel like my calling is to um, run for office to help, I'm going to use this loosely, solve a problem or several of them. Like I said, I don't have the answer, but I feel like the education for people that people need on how to work themselves out of whatever they're going through, whether it's opioids. Mm-hmm. Whether it's medical bills, whether it's student loan debt, whether it's, um, you know, how, just how do I move forward? Like, that's all I've ever done in my life is right. uh, embrace the change and move forward. Get out of all this stuff, opioids, health problems, surgeries. You know, I don't have any family. Yeah. So what have I done? I, I've just picked up, move forward. And I feel like we're kind of stuck in a rut. I don't think anyone would argue that with me right now. No, I don't think so. Um, it's it's all the things that you're talking about. These are these are serious issues that are the driving factor in people's uh, decision to you know what they're going to vote and who they're going to vote for and you know uh, uh, 
these are the real issues that actually affect real people besides, you know, nickels and dimes here and there on a, on a, a bridge or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, what are the main things that you'd like to accomplish? I mean, you, you touched on healthcare, you touched on things, but, but what are some of the things that you think you can make a difference on, uh, in, in a political way? Without talking about parties, because I, you know, I'm I'm not here to make your show a political show. I'm here to talk about humans and society, and um, you know how we can all move forward. And that's coming from a place of um, changing expectations about what the government is supposed to do for us. Yeah, and owning up to the fact that maybe we haven't made the best decisions and feeling safe enough to say, I need help. And understanding that if the government or an organization, a nonprofit, or even an individual comes and helps you, Mm -hmm. it's not like a cruise control, set it and forget it type of thing, that you have to be accountable for your actions and, and your decisions that if you truly want help, I mean, you, you got to be the driving force behind that. And I get that sometimes like opioids mess with your head and that, you know, you, mm-hmm. y- you know, a lot of people will say, well, I can't make decisions at that point. I'm, I'm addicted. Yeah. Um, well, to me, that that voice is that somebody saying that is coming from someone that is consciously saying I am addicted. Yeah. Does that make sense? So we 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 need we need a team of people just like, um, you know, the rich, if we will have a team of people, Mm -hmm. they have a financial advisor and a CPA and a lawyer and an insurance agent, and they have an entire team, just like a CEO. I mean, that's kind of what you need to help push people forward and understanding that, you know, we're going to move you through stages. I think that, um, People only focus on the federal government elections, presidential election. You know, every four years they think, okay, well, this is really going to make a difference. You know, who I'm going to vote for on this this cycle. But they don't realize that the most influential elections that you have are your city government, your local government, and the things that actually affect you now. I was just recently in an interview, or not an interview, but a, a meeting with a, a group of local business owners around here. One of the things that they're doing is uh, Chamber of Commerce is actually going to be providing group health care for all the small business owners in this, uh, this town. Hmm. That's going to be that's something they're working on. Don't have all the details. They brought it up in the meeting. So that's something that's interesting. That has a big impact on people. Small business owners always have a problem with health insurance. Um, but, uh, you know, also... The, to the tax problem, uh, and then also the lack of trust and communication with the actual people that are supposed to be representing you, the uh, the permitting process, all these different things that actually are day to day things that business owners have to deal with this month. They have to write a check. They have to figure out if they're in compliance, if they're going to get fined. These, well, we are in Illinois, right? Exactly, we are. <laughs> yes. We are in Illinois. And, uh, you know, this is a very real thing, but it's not just in Illinois, it's all over the place. And, you know, that goes to uh, uh, your point that, you know, uh, sometimes sometimes people think that the government just is going to be, it's going to take care of you, you know. But, but it's like you have to, 
the government is there to, to, to be part of your team or you're supposed to be on the team. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that people don't look at the government as something that they're part of. Well, it, I mean, truthfully, it hasn't really been set up that way. Um, I don't think uh, you can look back and, and see, you know, think of people in history where they were writing books and poems about how things made them feel. Mm hmm. You know, they were they were they were documenting things that were happening, but nobody said like this gives me anxiety. Yeah. This thing gives, you know, like what the government is doing gives me depression. I mean, we we have not evolved completely. And, um, you know, being a young person, I can't say that I'm going to just go into government and like speed things up. Right. But I don't think that's even the answer. I don't think we want to speed things up, really. We, no, speed things up in terms of evolution. Yeah. yeah. You know, to to ad, ad, adapt it to the way things are going. I think um, term limits are quite the problem or lack thereof. You yeah. know, so we have people that have been in office that are so comfortable. And um, so why are things going to change? Because yeah. people uh, don't like change like historically people don't like change and i have to say that um one of my bibles if you will is a book called uh, switch how to you change things when change is hard by chip and dan heath and yeah um I, i've been dying to have an interview with these guys because i i mean amazon's probably like why do you keep sending people this book <laughs> but it, it i mean it, depending on where you're at in life it's it's about how to change yourself like how to to shape the path for change if you want to change a habit or you want to do something else but mm -hmm. um or it could even be a book where you help change the minds of other people to help change others to to evolve and to get better and um I'm, you know, I like I said, nothing in my life, in my experience, I've never been able to get comfortable. Mm. So I could have sat there and fought against it, said I was a victim. You know, change is always happening to me. Like, why can't I just relax? Uh, instead, I embraced it. And I'm like, oh, this is so yeah. a start of something new that might be better than what I had. Mm. Yeah, you got to, you, you know, you got to shake things up a bit. Right. Although you never you got to have experiences. Right. Well, but again, we're we're coming into a world of, you know, we're being desensitized is cool. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I want to like I want to feel an experience. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We're so we're so separate. You know, I mean, we're we're connected through social media. and. But are we? It's it's not a real connection, though. It's not how humans are supposed to interact. It's unnatural. And uh, that's why we get unnatural feelings. We get we get, you know, uh, we're rejecting what's going on, like subconsciously a lot. I think well, all this comes from that. I have honestly had some of the most meaningful relationships in my of my life from social media that came from like video to video connection yeah. uh, through different like platforms and startups. Uh, and I'm so grateful for those relationships. Um, but I will say that, you know, we we're, we're like feeding into extremes you know we're either here or we're all the way over here yeah and that's kind of what we expect from the government like you know you're either pro this or yeah. you know against that and it's 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 challenging and it's exhausting mm -hmm. it doesn't help our our sanity it doesn't help um our living situation our economic situation to be so extreme you know we just kind of need to learn how to um, 
connect better and cope better. I know it's, it sounds like easier said than done. Yeah, it, it, it is. I know people, uh, people are, are on their team though. Yeah, you're right. It, but we have a lot more in common than, uh, than, than people realize. I mean, we haven't really necessarily had that. Uh, it's been a while since people could look, look at people with maybe a, a different political view or a different, you know, upbringing or whatever, and look at them like, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, like, if en- enemy X comes and invades or whatever, we're going to be fighting together. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're actually moving away from that. Like, it, we're already past that. I don't. I don't know. Are we? That's really scary because people say, you know, I mean, it's. I mean, people people say very seriously talk about civil war and uh, uh, revolution. Mm-hmm. On both sides, whatever that looks like for whatever camp you're in, you know, some people are, you know, uh, revolution, let's change, you know, the Bernie people. And, and then there's the, <laughs> the Second Amendment people that, that are come and get come and take it, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, proudly, I can say that um, in all of my experience online going viral, which yeah. I know you want to talk about, yeah. um, you know, the way that I've positioned myself and presented myself, people look at me and, and they actually don't know what side I'm on. Right. And I prefer that mm-hmm. because what I want people to realize and hear from me is that we need both sides. We need Republicans and right. Democrats. We right. just don't need extremes of anything. Yeah. Of either party, of of any medication or any healthcare decision or any food. Like we 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 need to work together. We need both sides to balance. And that's a thing mm-hmm. that we don't have in in so many aspects of our life is 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 balance. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind that's uh in relation to that, being being in the middle and uh being in the middle doesn't mean that you don't have a position. It, it's true. You know, it, it is a position it, in it, itself. Yeah, it's a well. The position is that you're not just siding with anything. You know, you're making a decision based on both sides. Well, but that's that balance I was talking about. Right. Right. So okay. So an example is um, something I think it was Bernie Sanders uh, was praising. Um, you know, the literacy program of. Uh, um, Castro, mm-hmm. um, and uh, sure, literacy is good. It's good for people to read. Sure, um, you know, a clock is right twice a day. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, at the same time, the backlash that he got um, for making a point—the point that he was trying to make was that you know, sure, okay, this and that, well, you know, it's socialism, all this and that. Um, but there, there was something that was good that came of it, he, even though it's completely flawed and it was a re-education camp that he was talking about. But that's a super extreme uh, uh, thing. But you can understand where he's coming from. You got to be able to put your your mind. You got to be able to put yourself in his shoes of where he where he's standing, what he's trying to accomplish, and what he's trying to talk about. But that's the thing I'm talking about is that people are trying to just take things at face value. Right. And I'm trying to, inc- like, without talking about sides or parties or extremes, I'm trying to encourage people to be curious enough to, um, and be open-minded enough to, to consider, like, okay, well, maybe I'm not receiving this 
message properly. Right. Maybe I'm hearing it differently or maybe um, maybe they're trying to say something else. And I in my experience, I just don't know about this. Like, let, let me look into it. Yeah. Right. Right. You right. know, so it's so I, I totally get how balance and like uh, that's why I try not to say middle mm-hmm. because it could you know, someone could interpret it as like, I don't have a side right. or I don't have a stance. Right. But it's like we we need both perspectives to be balanced. Well, there is there's such great strengths uh, in different aspects of the on, on each side. There's there's huge strengths and shortcomings, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's it's not fair to anybody to just uh, pick a side, just just go down the line with them. You know, well, but we have one that's just like, I want to overhaul. Yeah. OK, well, we've talked about this and in, in, in this conversation is if people don't like change, mm-hmm. even if they keep talking about change, they don't like change for themselves. Like it's easier to talk about it than to, to live it and experience it. Um, how are we going to overhaul anything for massive amounts of people when we can't even overhaul our own lives and and mm. and and fix ourselves, whether it's our diets, our health problems, our habits or whatnot? You know, like mm. let's 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 try to start with ourselves and then maybe we can encourage others to do the same. Yeah, it, I think it's I think it's really, really important for people to um, do what they can to get involved in the political process. You know, just uh, start reading, read about it, take, you know, try to come up with some some understanding of why people are saying what they're saying, as opposed to just saying they're, you know, this or that. Oh, he's a communist. He's a racist or whatever. You know, all these words, people are people and they, they come from different places and they have different ideas because of whatever happened in their life or whatever experiences that they had. So it's not fair to just label somebody. Uh, whatever it is, you know, and sure, there are communists and there are racists. They exist. They're real things. But um, that's not a that's not a productive conversation to ever have. You know, none of either either of those things. If you if you if you point finger and say you're this, the conversation's over because now you're fighting uphill battle. You know, well, what are a, your thoughts on that? A lot of people are so concerned about extremism mm-hmm. and, you know, one side is afraid of this side. Well, frankly, like, and everyone thinks that Trump started all this hatred mm. and it, it has been brewing for, for years. Oh, yeah. um, you know, you can't just blame, like you said, <laughs> who do we blame? You can't just like blame one guy. Right, right. Um, when we side with a party, no matter what the ideas are. Or we side with a group or mm-hmm. a cult or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know we're contributing to this issue of extremism and um, it's, it's scary mm-hmm. uh, for people. And I think we just need to be more open to um, other, other ideas and say, you know, I, and I know this is what other people are saying, other politicians are saying, but the, the truth is they're not practicing it because yeah. Politics does get in the way of policy, yeah, and and change and movement and all that. And so we're we're in a we're in a position where um, you know we're not really set up for success. And I think that it has to start with the way people treat each other and the way people uh, view information. Uh, and that's the only way we're going to be able to kind of change this this narrative. Yeah. Well, you have experience with uh, an angry mob. (laughs) 
you you have you have a few different things aside from just the uh, the the straight down the road uh, politic conversation. Um, you have experience with uh, that 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 herd mentality and uh, you know calling out. Can you can you explain a little bit about what I'm talking about? Sure. So I've been on social media since the very beginning, uh, and I and I built a short career as a serial entrepreneur. One of them mm-hmm. um, as a social media marketer. It was influential before influencers were were paid to do anything. Yeah. Uh, and what it was is, you know, I I'm always like I said, in my life experience, I'm not afraid to express or voice uh, an opinion or voice something that is obviously wrong or going to hurt people. Uh, so I've people have looked to me to kind of be that voice for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, and I'm from Arizona, originally from California. I moved. I was in Arizona for 21 years. And um, some people might know Milo Yiannopoulos. Oh. He uh, was on a tour. Mm-hmm at the beginning of 2017, I think. And uh, he was coming to Arizona and he had an event um, in Scottsdale in a, what we called the devil's pit, mm-hmm. which was all these bars and you know people were known for getting drunk and getting schlepped off to the hospital and ambulances because of alcohol poisoning or whatever. I mean, it was just a crazy devil's pit. Yeah. And he was gonna have his event on a Friday night in Devil's Pit with an open bar. And I mean, yeah. it just like it it sounded like powder keg. Like a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> so he had a February event and he got death threats, so he canceled it. And for those that already purchased tickets, because he does have quite the following, he uh, he said, OK, there's going to be a March event. We're going to tell you when it is, but we're not going to tell you where it is until literally that day to prevent any sort of violence. Right. So I had a friend who was doing um, audiovisual work uh, at the venue and they were even keeping under wraps who they were working for to the vendors. Mm. And uh, my friend said, look, somebody just spilled to me that Milo's coming. And nobody knows about this. Scottsdale police doesn't know about this. Mayor doesn't know about this. Nobody knows about this to protect the people around. You know, I mean, he's Milo's been known for sort of having riots follow him and and all that. And so, you know, usually I, I don't like to go into I don't put myself in dramatic situations like that, but I felt like it was a public safety issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, having been in you know, the Phoenix area for a long time, I'm like, okay, it's my duty to contact people that I know in office or whatnot to, to help secure the area or you know, protect people. Mm-hmm. And my friend said, you know, you're the only one that I know that could get the word out appropriately and in a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I contacted Scottsdale Police and the mayor, and um, I reached out to PR people. Uh, there's a closed group on Facebook, and someone took something I said out of context and sent it to Milo. Mm. And then Milo put my first and last name and that little piece of thing that, I, that they copied and pasted oh, and put it on his Instagram, and that's when the chaos started. Well, he has a lot of supporters, a lot of followers. What uh, what type of chaos happened? Well, his followers. So the event ended up getting canceled. Um, the followers were mad at me, thinking that I'm the reason why the event was canceled, mm-hmm. even though there's some conversation as to whether or not it was really even going to happen or if it was just like a media stunt. I don't know. I mean, I was just trying to protect everybody that I, you know, as much as I could. And so his followers were mad at me. So I was getting death threats on Facebook from from people 
And then the opposite side, the protesters were also messaging me, like thanking me for the work that I've done. And then that's when I learned uh, about who Antifa was. Oh, okay. I mean, call me sheltered. I didn't know who they were. So I had to Google them. And, you know, you just go into images and you just look at the first two and, and you're done. Yeah. And I said, you know, Antifa approached me and said, we're willing to protect you from Milo's followers. Um you know, provide you security. I think I'm good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but what was interesting, and then I had some people that, some of Milo's followers that were um, coming at me with their threats, and I was able to talk to them, and they were reasonable, and they were like, okay, well, this, this wasn't your intention, and what you said was taken out of context, like, you're okay. What was the quote? What, what was it that was taken out of concept, context? So I asked the PR group of people because – you know, he he got media attention for canceling the first event. And I said, who do you know that in the media that has promoted or, or has talked about this canceled event that we can reach back out to and talk about this event that's happening so that we can warn the public like this is happening, like, you know, be prepared, avoid these areas or just be cautious, like don't do anything crazy. And um, and somebody asked, they, they took my my thing out of context because it was an ASU publication that I was asking about also. And um, they said, well, ASU would know if Milo was coming or they would they would tell people. And and I said, well, he kind of has this cult following. So, you know, meaning there's massive amounts of people that might show up. Mm -hmm. Cult isn't necessarily like a derogatory term. It just means that like there's a bunch of people that get together that believe in one thing Mm -hmm. and like fiercely. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not like they're the devil. I never said anything like that. So Mm -hmm. they took this cult following thing and they, they removed anything else that I said after that or before that. And it was just like, I was speaking badly about Milo and his cult following. And that is just what, what went crazy. So Mm -hmm. when I explained that to the reasonable Milo followers, they actually, some friended me on Facebook. Some were like, you know what? I'm sorry. I meant to just attack you. And, And now I totally see, um, you know, what you were doing. And yeah. so it was one of those things like I was able to talk to both sides, like both sides were messaging me and, and we were fine, you know, after some conversation and some were open minded enough to to do that. But, yeah. you know, those that were like, no, you deserve what's coming to you. I mean, yeah, uh, you'll get I mean, there's crazy everywhere. There's crazy everywhere. You'll get you'll get people that are. um you know, are willing to threat, threaten somebody because of something they say online. But behind the scenes, we got Milo to take it down, and then <laughs> eventually it went away. Well, that's that's good. I mean, uh, nobody got hurt, right? So that's that's a positive thing. Um, it just goes to show you that there's just so much uh, pent up, like there's just so much emotion and pent up anxiety that people are willing to uh, blow up about mundane things about a group of people just meeting. Well, let's just take up a sport or maybe like go for a run <laughs> or maybe eat some vegetables. Learn to paint. Learn to paint. You know, learn to paint. And and get that out like in a productive manner. Yeah. And then if you still feel that way, then channel it in a way that gets through to people. And that's the thing that I really want to drive home is like I have nothing against 
you and your views or anybody else and their views. But the whole thing is like we want to change people's minds so badly. Right, like we want right. to move the Bernie fans to the Trump fans. And that's not really effective. I right. mean, in the way that we're doing it. But if we can present positive in a positive way, like these arguments in the form of mm-hmm. like facts or whatnot, that might be more productive in getting people to like move closer to the middle and like less into the extremes. Yeah. Um, but if we're just like forcing things down people's throats, it doesn't work. You can't you can't force somebody to, to side with you. You can't force somebody to to believe what you believe because you you say that they have to. It it goes against nature because people want to um, push back on on you know authority. I mean, it's just it's human nature. For the most part, uh, and uh, there's there's just so many more productive ways to kind of get get ideas across. I think that uh, we're living in an age of, of instant communication, and, and we're um, instant gratification. In, yeah, instant gratification as well. And you know, the the problem is that we forgot how to do long form communication. You know, we're <laughs> we're, we're, we're so used to 144, you know, uh, characters or you know whatever that is now. Um, that we're not able to actually think and, and clearly kind of get things across in, in a developed way, you know. That's where I, I I started using keyboard warriors. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm yeah. like, we've just kind of created an army of keyboard warriors. But if you put those people in front of other human beings, the conversation, the conversation would have never been had. No, of course not. Because there, there's, it's, uh, people get bold when there's no consequences. We're not talking about real things nowadays. We're talking about philosophy and ideology. We're not talking about, you know, anything of consequence for the most part. Some things are very important and need to be communicated and talked about. But for the most part, the things that we're, we're, we're bickering about are uh, flavor of the week things that don't really matter or have any difference. You're not going to look back and say, I really yeah. made a difference, you know. So hopefully we can... Uh, move away from that. And uh, it takes people like you that ask questions and want to get involved and do something that matters. Um, you know, tackling healthcare is a huge thing. I don't think anybody, one person has the answer, but if, uh, if more people get educated and uh, get more curious about uh, ways to solve things, I think we'll be moving in the right direction. And it starts with themselves. Personal responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's a, that's a good way to go. Um, Monique, it's a, it's a real pleasure to have you on. I definitely, definitely appreciate the conversation. Uh, we'll see what people say about this one. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you if you can, go ahead and uh, promote uh, the best ways for people to get a hold of you and uh, to, to ask your questions. Well, I'm, I, I do say that I'm very accessible. So uh, mm-hmm. MoniqueHoffman.com is, is like kind of the go-to spot. Um, there's a contact page. I have social media channels on there. Um, you know, Facebook, Twitter, 140 characters, uh, Instagram, uh, Google Plus when it was cool, all of that, I'm on it. Um, you know, you could just find me there. Yeah, yeah, look look it up and uh, stay tuned for the uh, political uh, <laughs> Monique Hoffman. Uh, well, for now, we're just trying to solve individual and, and group problems with with insurance and and as it comes i mean like i said i'm not forcing anything but it is a, it is a mission sure. of mine well it's a it's a noble mission that's Thank for you. sure um it's a pleasure i Thank definitely appreciate it all right uh, yeah like i said 
Never enough time. <laughs>